You're listening to the final episode of The Future Is Now, the official podcast of Handelsdagarna 2020. And in the final episode, Ludwig Hartler sits down with Dr. Mona Esmail-Sade, a neuroscientist, medtech entrepreneur, TV profile and last year's winner of the Swedish Mansa Award. In this interview, Mona discusses mind-boggling technological advances in the medical field, how society will view gene modification in the near future, and why entrepreneurs will be our future lifesavers. Please enjoy the last episode of The Future Is Now. Thank you very much. So we're currently here at the Stockholm School of Economics. Uh, it's uh, five o'clock and you've had a long day, I guess. Uh, and you usually live in Spain, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, and then you're here for, I think, Tuesday through Thursday. So what do you do in, in those days? So I work like crazy, <laughs> which I love to do otherwise as well. But when I'm here in Stockholm, I have a quite packed schedule trying to, you know, do all the Kind of physical meetings I need to have. Um, if there are board meetings I need to attend, if I need to give lectures, um, speeches, keynotes, and so on. Uh, and also, of course, uh, in the morning TV, um, trying to spread some facts about the latest science and technology and where we're heading at. Um, so yeah, very exciting days um, when I'm here in Stockholm. <laughs> I barely sleep. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, everyone wants to, you know, yeah, get a part of what you what you have, what you're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. So you started Silaf Clinic, mm-hmm. uh, that you have sold now, if I'm yeah, correct. Yeah, uh, exactly. Two uh, years ago. Yeah, but can can you tell me the kind of go back to before you started Scilife? What yeah, what happened? So what was the reason behind it? The thing was that I was, uh, you know, I'd been working as a medical doctor for a few years, and um, I was quite frustrated to see that there were a lot of people coming in quite sick and you know dying of things that you could actually prevent if you would have just checked them up, and uh, so I thought. You know, I don't want my family to end up there. So I actually started Side Life Clinic because I felt that there is really a need and to to have this um, kind of paradigm shift where we prevent diseases instead of um, instead of curing them when it's very often too late. So um, so I actually started to have my own. Like my brother was my first client. <laughs> I did all the tests on him, uh, so he was my guinea pig. And um, and yeah, we actually invented a whole new um, you know concept when it comes to health. Um, and I'm very happy and proud of that today because when I started, people often, you know, raised their eyebrows and thought that I was crazy. <laughs> Whereas, and I remember so clearly standing in these conferences, and you had, you know, the head of Karolinska and, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> people who, when we, when we debated in panels, for example, everybody were quite skeptical, whereas as the years passed by, everybody wanted to be on my side and, you know, (laughs) take my part. So I think that I'm happy that I kind of managed to change their mindset regarding this issue. I think we're still far away from getting there in the healthcare system, but still the mindset shifted um, really during these, you know, I was working on it for almost a decade, so yeah. I'm happy I did something right. Um, but yeah, it was a very interesting journey, and um, and as an entrepreneur, I, I think you don't really think, you know, you just see something, and then if you see that problem and you see the solution, you just can't sit still. You know, you, you just feel that you need to get out and do that thing. Yeah, so I'm I'm very curious in that in the solution, because uh, I've so if I if I've understood it correctly, mm-hmm. uh, 
what you what you help people what what you minimize the risk for is uh, cardiovascular diseases uh, a particular kind of cancer yeah cancers uh, in general cancers, and so the yeah. thing is that basically we have a very advanced technology today and it is very rarely used in order to prevent diseases so what we did was everything from you know uh, everything from genetic mapping to scanning your body to uh, mapping your lifestyle and so on and so forth and so it wasn't really about a single test it was about so we were like a powerhouse of what is actually the best thing you can do today to prevent yourself from diseases and so so that was that but but you know I'm I'm also glad that I sold Psylife. If, if you would have asked me two years ago, it, it was almost like it was qu- like quite heavy. It was like, yeah, you know, it, it has been your child really <laughs> for almost a decade. And then you decide that, okay, um, someone wants to buy it and you decide that, yeah, you will sell it. Um, but I think that for me, I had proven, you know, what I wanted to prove, and um, so I felt that I was much more free to not have a kind of commercial interest in what I was talking about, so I could more freely get out and actually say that, hey guys, because, you know, still we're not there really, so I, I really feel that there's an <laughs> there's really a need for spreading facts, um, things that, you know. And the technique, I I guess, too, right? Yeah, because what use does it make for people if you don't, like if it's only in the lab, you you need to get it out. The knowledge needs to come out. Also today, we're getting more and more power of our own health, you know. And I think that we're also just in the, you know, in the beginning of that. I think that within the coming 10 years, we will really see a revolution in science and technology that, you know, is going to change everything. Yeah, it's quite, quite you know, I, I, and I know you've talked about this earlier too, the kind of exponential advancement mm-hmm. for, for technology, how we cannot, you know, we cannot imagine it in front of us because it's we're, exactly. we're good with the linear linear advancements. Yeah, but, I mean, our brains not... have a lot of biases. You know, we think we're so rational and we're actually uh-huh. really, really irrational. I mean, even when we choose our partner, you know, we aren't as rational as we think. We usually think that, oh, I chose this partner because of, you know, A, B, C. You have all these rational reasons why. But in fact, it's a lot of things going on in your brain that you're not aware of. And that is deciding things in a very irrational way. (laughs) So I think that it's quite important to understand that we are very biased. We have a lot of blind spots and it is exactly as you say, we have a very, you know, great difficulty to really understand exponential growth, which in fact is something that we need to understand if we want to understand the future. So, um, so, you know, like the last hundred years have been great. If you look at, for example, in my domain, medtech, it's, um, or life science, we have done so many great, um, advancements, but it's nothing compared to, you know, what awaits us uh, in the future. So the coming hundred years will probably not equal to a hundred years of progress with today's pace mm-hmm. of technology, but to about 20,000 years of progress. And then, you know, as a neuroscientist, I understand that this kind of thing can be quite difficult to grasp, but I really, I, I really think we need to, you know, work on that so that we don't miss all those amazing opportunities that we're surrounded by. Really, yeah. You you said in your um, interview with uh, Alexander Padros mm-hmm. um, that you seek inspiration from the people close to you. Yeah. Which that that really that really Yeah, because you know people usually when they, when they ask like oh who's your role model? I I kind of 
I don't get a clear picture of who I have as a role model, yeah. but I do know, for example, that my brother, for example, is a great source of inspiration um, because, you know, he doesn't just say things. I can see what he's doing. And I think that's what inspires you, right? When you actually see things. and Or, for example, when I <clears throat> look at my parents, you know, it's because of they've done impossible things. And I think I love that. So I, I think I have my role model is really people who do impossible things possible. Uh, and yes, um, I do have my brother as a role model. And of course, I am also biased <laughs> because he's we're very close, as you say. And I think it's also partly due to the background that we have uh, together, you know, um, coming as refugees, uh, barely surviving. Um, um, and yeah, quite tough time uh, in Iran, um, where we are born and so on. So I think that that has also really strengthened our relationship. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, because you were born right into the, I mean, Iranian Revolution, yes, right? In the, right in the beginning of the eighties, uh, and then you you came to Sweden when you were three years old. Right? Yes, exactly. So so our parents were politically active against the regime in Iran, and you know they were fighting for democracy, and uh, that's not very popular, <laughs> which means that they were kind of on top of the blacklist. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, we were persecuted and uh, we were um, living secretively uh, for all those years that, you know, during my childhood when we lived in Iran. So from my birth until we left Iran, um, almost three years later, I I mean, I, I never saw a playground, for example, you know, um, we were just hiding from house to house and uh, it was quite hard times. A lot of people who we knew were arrested and tortured and executed. So, um, um, and then we had to leave our country. Um, so we went on horseback, <laughs> minus 25, 30 degrees um, in the cold mountains over to Turkey. Um, yeah, so, and we barely survived. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine that you have people around you that that inspire you to, to, to make the world, or you can take inspiration from, let's say, your parents uh, to, make, to make the world a better place. Uh, but I'm thinking, are, are, is that, because it, it, to me, it almost seems, I, I'm, I'm really trying to stay on the track where I do the meaningful thing instead of mm -hmm. the expedient thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I can also see my own ego pulling me away from that track, being like, okay, here, there might be more success in this lane. Right. And is that something that you work with? Or do you think that you have a, because of your, um, I mean, tougher background, mm. is that sense of meaning, do you think it's deeper rooted in you than the most people around you? It's a tough question, but uh, a very good one. I think that, you know, at least with this kind of background, you don't take anything for granted. And and I also think that, yes, uh, throughout all my life, I have always been, you know, when I was going to med school or uh, I got my PhD in neuroscience or, you know, I was like studying for a master's in philosophy, this, that. and. Everyone is like, oh, wow, uh, you know, you did all these things. And really, that means nothing to me, <laughs> because for me, I mean, not that it doesn't mean anything. Of course, I've been loving doing it from a very egoistic point of view, but I don't see anything noble in it per se. You know, it's, it's more. Um, so I think, yes, in a way, maybe mm, maybe. Uh, it is important, at least for me, to have something that gives a, like a higher kind of order of meaning to what I'm doing. 
But, you know, that doesn't need to be uh, separated from something that you're passionate about, of course, because you, you have to, and I think that's important, like you don't need to be Mother Teresa to be pushing the world to a, towards a better place. You can be Bill Gates and maybe what you do is actually having an even greater impact in the world, even though you didn't even mean to. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know, like, if you would ask me, I think that in the end, it's not that whether you have this ambition of making the world a better place. It's, of course, it's a good thing if you have that kind of passion. <laughs> but otherwise, I think it is the results of what you do. And actually, just being an, an entrepreneur, for example, I think... But almost by definition, you are making the world a better place, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, hopefully you, you are, are you are because you're solving a problem. You're yeah. solving a problem. You are contributing to the growth, economic growth, and it has so many other positive effects, you know, that you can't even imagine. And you're being creative. You're actually using the best part of the human brain, which is creativity and, and uh, curiosity. And, you know, uh, so I think that, like, we don't need to be so, you know, noble about it. <laughs> you don't need to try to, you know, the thing is, you only need to do what you're good at, what you're passionate about. And hopefully that is making the world a better place. For me, that's, uh, that's looking at it from a new angle. And, mm. I, and I like it because it kind of sparks action in a different way than I think putting up this big goal of doing something meaningful mm. yeah, does, definitely. Okay, so doing the meaningful. Uh, and I, I mean, in my eyes, what you're doing is absolutely something that I would look up to as, as meaningful. I, um, it's something that I think is good enough to aim at for someone mm -hmm. who's my age and who wants to do something, uh, do, do something, I mean, yeah, just do something real with their life. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm quite curious in so what you're actually doing right now. So <laughs> you've sold... I sold the clinic, the clinic. two years ago. Yeah. And then, you know, I had this period of uh, people were saying that, oh, you know what, maybe it's good to just not rush into something. And, and or I said, you know, you know what, I'm going to take some time yeah. <laughs> to think and contemplate on what I actually want to do. Because I, you know, so, um, and um, after like two weeks, I were already, I was already into quite deep pro projects. And, uh, and it was funny because people were laughing at me and saying that, you know, Mona, when people say that, they want to take some time off to think about what they've done when they just <laughs> sold their uh, business. It's usually maybe a few months at least. Or, but so, yeah, but, but anyway, I tried to take some time to just think about what do I actually want to do? And at the same time, of course, I was getting, you know, even before I sold the clinic, I was getting a lot of proposals from the morning TV show um, that we have here in, the in TV Sweden. TV exactly. And and at first I was a bit skeptical and then I started to, you know, go there and, and then I, I felt that, no, you know what, um, this is actually, first I thought maybe it's not serious enough, you know, for me to sit there. And then after that, I thought, you know, it's not serious in, enough not to be there because mm -hmm. actually people need to get the knowledge, you know? Yeah knowledge to the people <laughs> because the thing is that we're living in a world with where, where we have more knowledge and more information than ever before but you know still people's attention is well in different places which means that um, the access to that information you know is it, it's not served in a in a an appropriate way. Yeah. So in fact, you know, today I think people are more interested in looking at Kardashians behind <laughs> and to know what Ronaldo had for breakfast than um, knowing what's happening 
when it comes to, you know, the latest science and technology, which actually could save their lives, but still. Yes. So, and I think that it's not because people don't love science and technology. It's because it's served in such a boring, boring way. And, you know, you, you cannot do things without having the brain's reward system with you because it's so strong. So, of course, I will look at Kardashians behind if what you're telling me is boring. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So I felt that, you know, it's, it's actually something that is important to do to try to make science sexy because science is the sexiest thing that exists. It's just that, you know. So, um, so yeah, I started to um, go there and then I became a more frequent guest and then I started having kind of my own, you know, popular wetenskap with Dr. Mona, yeah. <laughs> popular science with Dr. Mona, <laughs> uh, and uh, and uh, where I'm actually trying to you know spread facts yeah. and and by that also sp- I th- I hope and I think that I'm spreading future hopes because although we live in a world that has never been better ever before you know we live in the best world ever I mean you and I were so privileged sitting here. We're more privileged than any other person that has lived, yeah. you know, on the planet. It's like if you were a king 200 years ago, you know. Yeah, I would not have the. No, like let's yeah. say let's say uh, Louis the Fourteenth, uh, you know, uh, the French king Louis the Fourteenth. Mm. He he was known for his luxurious kind of living, and he was you know having a lot of nice beautiful mistresses and, uh, you know, a quite nice kind of life in his castle. Yeah. But I'm not sure you would actually want to be replaced. Uh, like, you, I don't think you would like to switch with him because, you know, when you entered his castle, it was stinking, you know, because he didn't have a, an appropriate toilet. So when his mistresses came there, it was actually stinking urine <laughs> in his castle. You know, things that you take for given today. So in your home, when you have beautiful girls coming over. <laughs> <laughs> Gesturing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, it's smelling pretty nice at your place, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so, yeah. And so it's, I guess it's, I'm not the judge of it. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so I mean, really, you live better than a king did yeah, before. Yeah, so we live in this best time ever. And still, people really have a very cynical worldview and they fear the future, which is completely, like, absolutely irrational. It doesn't make sense at all. You know, because we have better tools, better possibilities, better opportunities to create the future we want and to solve all those challenges that we have ahead of us. So we should be quite thankful and happy yeah. <laughs> that we live in this time. So, so yeah, I, I think that you asked what I'm actually doing now. So I'm trying to spread future hopes by spreading facts. And I do it in different ways, you know, it's through the TV, it's um, sometimes giving keynote speeches, it could be um, in different projects. Being in this podcast, for Being example. in this podcast, yeah. Yeah. but also, um, and then also I have some uh, more business um, related kind of work, yeah. um, like being a board member or, uh, also, I'm looking into very interesting projects right now that I might get involved in. Okay, <laughs> and, anything that you can uh, spill out, really. or is it? Okay. <laughs> not really. Maybe but, we'll do this again in a little bit, and I'll. Things, I'll, yeah. I'll yeah. Um, but you mentioned uh, knowledge to the people, mm-hmm. um, and I'm 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 really curious when I when I researched uh, what you are doing and what knowledge you have been spreading. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was amazed by the by all the inventions that you were you were speaking about, especially mm-hmm. on uh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um and I think. Uh, I mean, for lack of time, we won't 
be able to go through them all. No, right. Uh, but, but but let's but, say. But do, do you have any? F- so I, I was really interested in the electronical pill that you swallow, mm-hmm. um, and and you can actually view the bacteria. Uh, you can get feedback on mm-hmm. on your bacteria in your stomach live mm-hmm. on your phone. Yeah, and also the the DNA scissors. Obviously, right. I have to ask you about that. Um, yeah, because I think that I, and you know that you could you could basically say that artificial intelligence and genetic scissors, as your genetic editing, um, okay. is uh, is going to absolutely you know revolutionize our future totally. Um, so. Yeah, and the, the pill that you mentioned yeah. is is a great uh, invention. I think there are a lot of those, you know, that where you, we we get technology, power powerful technology that becomes, you know, smaller. So we can, for example, you can actually uh, just put it into a, a, a little tiny chip into a pill that you can swallow that can give you feedback. Or, for example, today, uh, researchers just. Um, invented you know the world's first magnetic resonance detector which is you know what an mri is where yeah. they can scan your body but now you can use so the same just, kind of just technology to for the listeners this is what you go into when you uh, if you have a broken leg right not a broken leg but maybe if you have or a brain a, Exactly. So let's say an MR, if you want to, that's what I'm thinking. Exactly. Yeah. So if you want to check your brain to see if you have a tumor, for example, you would do an MRI on, on the brain and okay. then you scan the brain and see that, okay, if there is pathology or not. But the thing is that that technology, this is the same, you know, with this magnetic resonance uh, detector. But the difference is that in this case, you have this tiny, tiny thing that has this powerful technology that is big as a needle and that you can put inside your brain so that you actually can extract a lot of data and information that has been absolutely unreachable before. So the the fast pace of development in technologies is enabling us to really do impossible things. This is all possible today. Yeah, this is possible today, but it's not on the market yet. Let's put it that way. But but yes, and and then when you mention genetic scissors or CRISPR or genetic editing, um, you know, it's a tool that in a very simple, precise, and easy way can get into the code of life and cut and paste to your desire. So basically, if you imagine how easy it is for you to get into your cell phone to your smartphone and start uh, editing an SMS, yeah. um, a text message. So you would, you know, imagine if it would be that easy for you to get into your genes, the code of life that actually decides everything from mm-hmm. your eye color to what diseases you can get. And then you could imagine if you could get in there and not only read, but also start editing, just as you would do with a text message, removing bad words like cancer and and, and putting some healthy cells there, right? So this tool is that easy. And we have that today. Now, of course, there are a lot of regular issues, a lot of ethical questions. What would happen in the wrong hands? Should we design our babies in the future? Um, and so on. It's interesting, you know, we would say, like, isn't it unethical to design your baby? But I think that in the future, you'll probably think, oh, my God, wouldn't it be unethical not to, you know, because... Want the best for your kids? Is that what you Yeah, I mean, it's like you put them to school, right? You actually have to go to school today in Sweden, for example, because we believe that, that is what gives them the best possible... Uh, future and and life and and I think that of course if you can get rid of cancers and uh, Alzheimer's disease and so on and so forth why wouldn't you but uh, you can also you know so where do you draw the line I mean you could also get in there and make the kid smarter 
you can make them taller, and you can change their eye color, and so on and so forth. And where, where do we really draw the line? I think we should really start discussing these kind of uh, yeah, things the, and yeah. and uh, yes and and um, but yeah so I think that and it's it's such an amazing tool you know I think that um, this kind of technology like artificial intelligence and and genetic scissors they're gonna help us to to eradicate poverty. I think that within 20, 30 years, we will not have people starving in the world. Uh, I mean, we've already improved that a lot. Like if you, you know, 200 years ago, so the last 200 years, we have decreased poverty from 94 to 110%. I mean, imagine at that time, 94% of the world's population were poor. And today, of course, we have still a very big challenge that we have to solve, but that number has really decreased. Uh, during the same time, we've more than doubled our, our lifespan uh, and so on and so forth. So I think really, but, but, but still, that kind of improvement, we're, we're not like the coming hundred years, as, as we talked about, is going to be so much more awesome. I mean, so we're going to reach, you know, a, a dream. Like if, if I would tell you a hundred years ago that we, one day we'll have a future without poverty and diseases, you would just think that I'm crazy. Well, I guess most people think still that I'm crazy, but, <laughs> but still it's not, you know, it's not unreachable today, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously uh, amazing. And it is, especially if you step back a couple, just a couple of decades, that, that's mm -hmm. a miracle, obviously. Absolutely. Uh, and that's exactly, so I believe really that we live in times of miracles, in time of miracles. And I think that uh, miracles based on science. And yeah. I think that um, it's really important to understand that because I, I think also that we should really make sure to embrace these kind of technologies, even though there are, of course, a lot of ethical issues we need to think about and so on. You know, let's say artificial intelligence, we're learning more and more how to read your mind, for example, uh, hacking into your brain, uh, which, of course, in the wrong hands will be a catastrophe. Imagine now in my home country, Iran, where they're shooting people for their opinions and thoughts. Um, you know, so we really need to make sure that, uh, and I don't think that a separate guideline for technology will, will uh, be able to contain that risk, but it's much more about us, you know, deciding what kind of values we want to have, what kind of world do we want to live in, and so on and so forth. Uh, and therefore, I also think that, for example, Sweden needs to really, you know, take leadership in this because we have great values when it comes to democracy and human rights and so on. So, so how will those values affect? Because uh, so you're saying that a Swedish invention would have. I mean, yeah, well, no, inside what, of it, it would have a Swedish value in it. Is that yes, what you're saying? no, but yes. But also what I'm saying is that, you know, because it, it is humans programming robots, for example, yeah. or artificial intelligence. And, and so, of course, we are deciding what we are creating. And, you know, if you go to, for example, China, where I was in November last year with the Royal Technology Mission. Yeah. Uh, so, so the Swedish king uh, and a small delegation goes uh, to, uh, you know, they go to, so he goes to different countries uh, every year to make sure that we actually uh, are in the frontiers when it comes to to science and, and technology and... Uh, Which is Eva, right? Eva, in, in exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Royal Tech... Royal, uh, Swedish, Royal Swedish Academy of Engineering Sciences. It is a hard word yes. to say even <laughs> in Swedish. So. <laughs> yeah. No, but so, so um, and we were in China in November and uh, it was very clear that China, for example, is investing a lot of money 
and they're very focused on trying to be best in these domains, right? Um, and I think that we should, Sweden, although we're a small country, but I mean, that has never stopped anyone before um, to become the best. So I think we should really invest in becoming number one. We should attract the best talent, we should, and so on and so forth, to make sure that we have the best brains here. Uh, because yes, I do believe that the Swedish values are better than some other values. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and uh, it, yeah, I mean, people would maybe argue that, wh why would you think that we're better here in Sweden uh, and so on, but it's because we are. <laughs> um, so I think that it's important. I think it is our duty, not for only Swedes, <laughs> but for the world actually, to make sure that we are leading these kind of technologies. They're so powerful and they need the right leadership. And so, so I'm, I'm thinking uh, the, 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 the hobby philosopher in me mm -hmm. wakes up when, when you speak about this. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I know you're the perfect person to ask about this because you actually, on top of your medical studies, you've, you've studied philosophy in, mm -hmm. in Norway too, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and so I'm thinking, because uh, what you're telling me now is pretty much, I mean, making us almost uh, limitless super beings. Humans. Yeah, we're mm -hmm. superhumans. Uh, you know, uh, you can modify your genes, you mm -hmm. can, uh, um, if you think you're too, too this or too that, you can just fix it pretty much. Mm -hmm. And I mean, uh, just like any superhero that becomes invincible, it mm -hmm. gets uninteresting. Yeah. Uh, so what does that say about the potential of this technique? I mean, you could argue mm -hmm. that what gives uh, humans meaning is that we have um, we have faults and things to overcome, and that gives us a purpose. Mm -hmm, absolutely. But if yeah. we are super, but human, who says that we would? Uh, yeah, because exactly, you know, creativity and cur curiosity, which is really, I think, the most important part of human nature and, and also, you know, imagination. Why would we, we would never, I mean, it would, we, we want to upgrade ourselves, right? We would never give up on those things. I would never give up on that. I would never stop having kind of, but I think, you know, maybe we will, we will actually have even greater challenges to solve, uh, but we also have better tools to do it. And I cannot really see, it's like saying, so say for example, a lot of people have um, glasses today, right? Yeah. Because of bad sight. And actually you could argue that, you know, nature wouldn't let them live because if you, you know, your worse <laughs> sight genes would be eradicated because a lion would kind of come and eat you up, right? And you kind of, so what we have done is that we've given you superpowers, you know, these that you can see through so that you have the same opportunities and possibilities that that I with a good sight have, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so do you have a good do you, I do, yeah, Okay, I do. so. But I have a lot of friends that don't. <laughs> but you so have a I lot of friends. Yeah. And what would the world be without them, right? Yeah. They do probably amazing things. Yeah, but we've just made it possible for them to achieve even more than if they were kind of half blind, eaten up by some kind of, or, you know, a car would maybe run over them because they didn't see or, so, I mean, it, it, it's challenging, right? If you don't yeah. have a good sight. And so we do want them to survive and we upgrade them, we give them superpowers, which is eyewear that actually makes them see as good as you and I do. So I think that it's just, when we talk about upgrading the brain, for example, like putting a chip into the brain so, so that you actually become kind of a superhuman in a way. You know, it, it sounds crazy just because we're not there yet and we're not used to it yet. 
But I think that at that time, you know, where we when we get in and fix things, I think it's going to be as as normal and unproblematic as things that we have today are. So, so I think it's it's really a matter of of understanding that it's it's not that we're going from this to suddenly some kind of superhuman that has no faults and no you know. It's just, and imagine how much we could actually create. How much do you think we would stop creating music, for example, only because we would become superhumans? We wouldn't. I think that a lot of people think that if we kind of merge with machines and you know AI, for example, because I think next step of human evolution is probably to do that, right? Also to make sure that we don't get kind of eradicated by some super robots yeah. in the future but but i think that many a lot of people think that if you merge with technology you will become like terminator but i don't see that at all i think that we would become so much more humane and empathetic you know imagine if you could feel a billion times more and love a billion times more and create a billion times more. Just to challenge you, mm-hmm. uh, wouldn't that also open up for uh, you know, the potential to hate a billion times more and the potential to I don't to, think to so. You know why? A billion times. Because I think that hate comes from fear very often. And fear comes because we're very, very irrational often and because we cannot see facts as they are, for example. We cannot see the world as it is, but uh, you know, we have a lot of blind spots in the brain due to our ancient brain that hasn't developed for the last 40,000 years. So take, for example, like people are really fearing the future and they have this kind of anxiety of you know, the world is gonna end in 12 years, or uh, I don't know, you take whatever, challenge and they just get so scared why because you know you're bombarded with negative news and so on and so forth and your brain just can't distinguish between like what is facts and what are our possibilities to solve that problem and should we really be that scared i mean based on what you know so therefore you get more isolated, you get uh, some kind of, you actually get paralyzed because fear paralyzes you, right? Instead of taking action very often. And so it is, I, I think basically, maybe we should upgrade our brain just to make sure that we get more rational. And so I don't think that we would hate more. No, I think that definitely it would help us to fear less and therefore hate less. But I mean, I don't think that we will become angels just because we upgrade ourselves Um, and it's also an interesting question you know what if you for example could get in and cut and paste in people who are cruel and who you know tyrants take the cruel genes away or the cruel cells away would you would you do that if you could do that Mm -hmm. should we do that should we switch off that gene if there is a cruelty gene, that is um, certainly, certainly or, a, or, or know, is it, or is it actually a part of uh, you know what it means to be a human that you actually make an active choice, uh, that you have this freedom of choosing, yeah. that you want you whether want you want to be good or bad, and and it's a very interesting question. I, you know, I think that what is really interesting is uh, with this technology going forward in this way, we are getting really to the deepest philosophical questions. For example, what does it mean to be human? Is it actually so that if, if, like imagine if we could take our whole brain and our um, consciousness and just put the whole thing into a chip, would that, you know, would that still be me? it's an interesting question, you know. So the question is: Is one plus one two, or is it actually something more? Yeah. 
So we're getting into the, the core of the philosophical questions, really, with the technological advancements. Yeah, as we, as we get smarter, or maybe not smarter, but our technology maybe helps us get smarter. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah, maybe as you're saying, maybe we need to get equally uh, advanced in our wisdom too. Yeah, I mean, the brain hasn't developed for the last 40,000 years. I mean, imagine, there is no difference between you and the caveman, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I have an iPhone. You look skeptical, in, but I, no, I can assure I, I, you there's I, not a big difference between I, I have an iPhone in my pocket, that's what I was going to exactly. say. Exactly, yeah. right. But, but other than that, no. Other than that, <laughs> no. And also that you can have your girlfriend coming over without, um, you know, that it stinks at your place. Oh, yeah, yeah that yeah. too. <laughs> that too. But otherwise, um, there's actually not a big difference, and w- which means that, yeah, maybe it's time to yeah. to upgrade ourselves in a way. So uh, when we when we speak about this uh, and all the the advancements that is already that is already here and mm-hmm. that is about to come, uh, I mean. To me, this does not put me immediately, like my, my thoughts are not going, okay, Swedish healthcare system. That's not what I'm thinking <laughs> when, when, when you speak of this. No. Uh, do you think healthcare in the future will be more and more privatized? Do you, I mean, because these, mm. these are products that we're talking about, I, the electronical yeah. pill. I, uh, I think that it will not even be privatized in that sense that you will go to a clinic. I think it will be more and more that you will have the power of your own health so that mm. you will probably will have probably nanobots in your bloodstream that clears your body from cancer cells. And no, I didn't watch a sci-fi movie about it, <laughs> but um, it's actually based on you know science and technology that we have today. So you know scientists have actually tried that out in in mice and pigs, and it works without damaging a single healthy cell. They managed to clear their bodies from cancer cells, right? So with these nanobots. So yes, we're probably going to have nanobots in our bl- bloodstream and. And um, we're going to have the tools, you know, that we need ourselves, um, I think. So we're going more and more towards that direction where where you get empowered uh, so much, uh, so much more. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking all these inventions, because right now they're pretty much in laboratories, yeah. right? Yeah, just like uh, I, I don't know. Th- th- to me, this sounds like what Elon Musk is doing for the elect- uh, you know electric car. Mm-hmm. This is the healthcare version. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if we look past uh, politics and regulations, mm-hmm. and uh, like when when could this actually? When, when can I? When could I buy this? Uh, the nanobots? Yeah, like no, stuff like that. It's an interesting it, question because the next step. Should what be holds me back is it is that it's too expensive, or is it that? No, it's I think there are different issues, right? So um, I think that costs will probably not be a great uh, problem because maybe it is at first, but after a few years, you know, like with everything else, like look at the our mobile phones. Um, you know, in the beginning, nobody could have that, right? Yeah. Like not even the richest man would have that. It was like, yeah, a state would maybe own one big thing. But then um, today you can be a poor girl in Bangladesh who, you know, you're not allowed to maybe even get out of the house. But today you can have your own business online and and uh, be an entrepreneur. Yeah. <laughs> so, you, yeah, technology empowers us. and. And that makes it also, uh, so you're asking if, if it's a cost problem, it's not. I don't think that is. I think that regulations, of course, will be an issue. Uh, the, all these things need to pass a lot of... Making sure it's safe enough? Or well, exactly. The, okay, and yeah. also, you know, you need to do, of course, like next step, for for example, these nanobots would be to, to actually try it on humans. But I think it's a lot of matter of mindset, right? So also when you're asking about the healthcare, again, I don't think it's primarily a, a, an issue about costs. 
but it's a, a matter of lack of knowledge and, and it's a mindset problem. So I think that that's really where the thing is. And then, then but, but you know, in the end, I mean, you as a consumer, you won't care because you want the best for your health, right? So if the healthcare system cannot provide you that, you know, uh, there are other companies now working a lot on those issues. And, uh, you know, suddenly they will come up with solutions that you can't get within the healthcare. And that will totally disrupt <laughs> this whole, you know, healthcare system. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be, uh, it could be Apple, it could be Google, it could be, you know, um, so it doesn't even need to be a healthcare business doing it. But, um, but I believe that you as a customer have the power uh, of, of, you know, deciding what you want and you won't sit there and wait for anyone to solve that if you can do it yourself. And I think that we will get more and more of that. Today, that's maybe limited, but it's coming definitely within the 10 coming years. I think, you know, in 10 years from now, I think that we will laugh to the time when we went to the doctor because we were sick. Yeah, they will be the the last resort. Is that what you think they'll be, or the, will they, yeah, be the, they will be the supervisors of this? Or yeah, maybe, or maybe um, they're just not needed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, for someone like me who is uh, studying here at the Stockholm School of Economics mm -hmm. and who is excited about being a part of this journey. Mm -hmm. Do, do you have any ideas of where, where we could fit in? You know, is there a place for for someone with a with an economics or a business background or an, um, an aspiration to be an entrepreneur? Is is there a place for us in this in this journey? Are you kidding me? It's the entrepreneurs who are going to change all that game, right? Who else is going to do it? I mean, the politicians <laughs> will definitely not. They don't have the competence, yeah. right? But um, definitely the entrepreneurs, they are those, you know, who will. So, uh, yes, absolutely, there is a place for entrepreneurs in this thing. Um, absolutely. Yeah. So rather the market than the government, that's what you're saying. It's the market that's going to bring this to you. Of course. Yeah. Even if you see at other values in society, I mean, who are the greatest feminists? Well, I would say innovators. Exactly. Sure. Yeah. Right. New techniques brought to the market. Exactly. Yeah, okay. So, so when we're talking about making a difference in the world, or you know, you are doing it by definition by being an entrepreneur. So yeah, do make great business, and you change the world. I like that. Make great business and you change the world. Yeah. Well, Mona Esmail Sade, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for inviting your thoughts. me. Thank you. Yeah. And I really look forward to see all those bright students uh, here at Handelshögskolan, yeah. um, Stockholm School of Economics. Yeah, exactly. That's what um, they chose to. In, in many different domains, changing the world by doing great business. So thank you for having me.